You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, you're welcome to another week of The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host as always. Today we're talking property investment, speculation versus actually investing. What makes you a punter and what makes you an actual investor? To help us out, we've got Kieran McLean from Provident Financial Services. Kieran, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Trent. Now, as always, we uh, like to remind everyone that Kieran is an Associate Financial Planner at Paul Carter PTY LTD, trading as Provident Financial Services. He's an authorized rep for AMP Financial Planning. And this information is obviously general advice only and isn't intended for anyone's personal situation. And everyone should keep that in mind. Let's talk about the difference there between speculating and investing. We all like to consider ourselves property investors or property experts. All of us can get on rewo.com or realestate.com and buy something really. We can, we, mm. We've all got that possibility. We can all get a loan from the bank. But I think there's a big difference when you buy that property. Are you having a punt? Have you done enough research? Have you got enough of a plan? Or are you really investing? Is there a mm. real goal around it? I think that you'll agree with me to answer that question straight up and we'll go into some more detail. But the difference between having a punt in anything and investing is education. Mm. If you're a first homeowner and you're out there looking for a house by yourself, you're so green, you you may not know nearly as much as the local real estate agent or professional in the area. House and land sales rep in Ellenbrook. Exactly. So I think that the difference between an investor and a speculator is education. The, the investor has a goal. Usually the investor is looking to build something over time. I would classify an investor as someone that is self-disciplined in, in terms of, yeah, they just have an objective of a time frame. They have an exit strategy. And an exit strategy too. And so that, that strategy, it might be a 30-year exit strategy. You know, it might be to pay off that loan over 30 years. But to understand, once we've done that, what's the outcome? Is the purchase price we're buying this for? Is the timing yep. we're buying it in? Does that suit the outcome we're looking for to be able to get X amount of profit out of this investment? Because let's face it, whether you're going to live in it or you're going to rent it out, every purchase of property is an investment. And it's most likely the biggest investment you're ever going to make. Uh, just a balance of understanding risk versus reward. If an alarm bell is going off and someone's come along and said, guaranteed profit of 50% a year for however many years, mm. someone who understands averages and returns of the scale of stocks or bonds or property, wherever it is in Australia, if you're educated about averages and, and returns or even just the basics, that's going to set an alarm bell off for you. Well, I think a great example has been in the last few years, the downfall of the Pilbara, mm. especially real estate agents who would be selling these properties. And I think this is an, it's an amazing one. You always hear it on TV. Future mm-hmm. performance does not reflect past uh, data, you know, yeah. and and real estate agents were sitting there going, yeah, we, you know, it's gone up 20% every year for the last three years. And therefore, you know, it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Well, I, I bet those real estate agents were surprised yeah. in 2015 when things started falling away very quickly. There yeah. goes people's life savings based on an idea. And also diversification. I mean, any basic rule of, of investing is ensuring that you diversified to mitigate the risk. I mean, there's always some risk in investing, but it's about aligning the investment within your risk tolerance and diversifying. I mean, when the boom was on and they were buying and leveraged up to their eyeballs in debt of properties scattered in the Pilbara at times where... A lot of people made a lot of money. They got out. Yeah. Even just to take a step back from situations like that and realize that when you're investing and putting all your eggs in one basket, whatever the asset class is, you've got to be prepared for the risk. Yeah. that is associated with that. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's as simple as that. If I'm going to buy a property that has been growing so quickly with, let's face it, not many fundamentals behind why other than quick demand supply ratio, if I'm going to put a million dollars down on that three 
by two in Caratha, am I prepared to lose $700,000 of that and still be able to move on with my life? Yeah. I don't think many people ask themselves that question. No. And I think that a lot of people don't have the backup plan if you know it wasn't to go peachy or rosy and we, we've had that in wa the last however many years we've had positive property growth the downturn was completely unexpected from a lot of people who had been investing in the market for such a long time people had been saying it for a while but because it was such a broad industry of oil and gas yep. iron ore mining gold mining construction boom in the city no one was quite sure when the penny was going to drop when the tap was going to be switched off. And anyone who tells you that they know the future, in a personal opinion, no one knows. Otherwise, everyone would be very wealthy. I think at the end of the day, there is some speculation with everything. But if you're meeting someone who's guaranteeing something, Mm. you've also got to ask more questions there because not everyone knows everything. And there are going to be some people who get it right, but there's going to be a lot more people that get it wrong as well. So let's talk about ways to push us away from being a speculator to as close as an investor who has done their their numbers as possible. What are some alarm bells straight away on the speculation side, things you haven't done that we can tie up on the way to making that purchase, for example? I'm going to bring it back to education is my opinion of the difference. So we're talking to a number of professionals in industry, not just relying on the one real estate agent or the one mortgage broker or the one spruker at the Tuesday night workshop uh, coming over from the East Coast selling workshops and plans and whatnot it's all good to speak to all these people Mm. gather all the information as possible isn't it yeah it's about then building a perspective to build your own opinion balancing that yourself yeah looking at data yeah and property magazines you know they've got a massive bit at the back there which goes through a lot of tables of data as to where prices have moved that's all good to know the data but also i mean not everyone has the interest all the time for i acknowledge that myself and i know you and you, Trent, as well. You have an interest in the data and the, the analytics and the analysis and the, the market fluctuations and the economic cycles. Not everyone is that interested or has the time for that. So I think there's a lot of people that go into making these big decisions, whatever the type of investment, property investment or, or stock market investing, where they're going in blind. They don't know too much at all. And I just see that the value of hiring or paying or outsourcing a, a professional who has a good reputation, who has spent however many years, day in, day out, seeing it all, seeing the pitfalls, seeing the wins with a better understanding of that market, whatever it is, is only going to help someone. Understanding what a win looks like and what a loss looks like. So you can understand straight away whether, for example, this property Mm. is actually at this price a buy and not based on a number of tricky marketing campaigns from an agent, for example, Mm. uh, maybe less so. And it's not just about getting the one professional, just getting a financial planner or just getting a buyer's agent or just getting a broker or an accountant. It's about having that team. And they all have their place and they all have their value. Yeah. Having the right team and the right individual can make a world of difference. And I can vouch for that in all those professional services. We talk about finding those right professionals in other episodes, but a few common themes there on the property buying side or the, when you're looking at investing on the property, even as an expert, if you don't have an intimate understanding of the area and the type of property that you're looking to buy, mm. you are a punter. Yes. Even if you're an expert in another state yes. or another part of the city, even if you understand all of what it should look like, if you haven't walked the streets, if you haven't understood where the local planning is going or how the school's going, mm. what's happening with the roads and whatnot, how's the crime rate, if you haven't done that research or just had a context for it, you're a punter. And that's why, for example, on our side, we don't buy outside of Western Australia. Yes. Because we would be punting. As you much invest as we, in what you know. Invest in what you know. I think that is a yep. really good way to tie it up. Whatever yes. it is, invest in what you know. If it shares, you know, invest in a company that you understand. 
Mm. Don't just invest in it because it's been going well or because a lot of people are talking about it. If you don't understand what they do, if you don't understand how they make money and how they may lose money, or if you don't understand how that if property is... If you don't is, understand the reason for why you got in it, yeah, you won't understand the reason all the time to get out. Exactly. Perfect point. And as I was going to with property, if you don't understand why other people would buy this off you for more than you paid, you're speculating. Yep. Exactly you're guessing right. that this will be worth more at some point because you don't mm. buy it for the sake of buying it. You buy it because you believe it sometime in the future, someone will pay more for this than mm. you did now. One of the biggest things that I personally took away with one of your presentations at Curtin University was if you're looking to purchase a property, the difference in cost, how detrimental it can be for an electricity hub box being on the wrong side of the road. Mm. The cost that you as, as an investor or a purchaser have to fork out to put in the underground power under a road can take away a, a lot of what someone's goal might be in, in that particular purchase. Doing your research, understanding, it's all well and good if you're buying a, a house for yourself and you're not looking to develop. It makes things a lot more simple. But for example, yeah, if you are looking at developing, there are so many factors there that need to be covered off in terms of you know your water and your electricity supply, but also just the demographic fundamentals and, and planning policy all these things are publicly available it's mm. just understanding what you need to know and where you can find that information as i said before not everyone has a lot of time for that so i think that paying a competent qualified experienced professional is an investment because you're putting your dollars towards someone that you have chosen and trust knows more than you to provide your objective or your goal without making those mistakes along the way. I 100% agree with that. But that's not to say that you can't invest without hiring someone. I think all it does is narrow the scope of what you can invest in because we're all experts at something. That's right. And we're all very lay at something else. So mm-hmm. if you yourself have always had an interest in property investment, you've always invested in certain things and from experience, both from investing and also from just living in an area, you know an area really well and you just know just from logic, yeah. all of those fundamentals about what needs to be there, what, what doesn't need to be there and what I need to be paying, yeah. then you're not speculating. You are an expert in your field. Yeah. But it, if you decide that you know you want to invest in something outside of what you can honestly put your hand on your heart and say is your expertise field, yeah. uh, that's where the risks come in. Yeah. If you've lived in a neighborhood for you know a substantial amount of time and you know the neighbors and you know the parks and you've walked the streets and you know the good areas and the bad areas and the dodgy house or the traffic conditions, the noise, you've got such an insight to that area. It is a scary thing if you're going to invest in an area that you've never experienced. Based and on of, an idea. Of course, well, even people choosing first homes, it's a lot to take in from a first impression on a home open. You're spending 10, 15, 20 minutes in a home mm. that could potentially be your biggest purchase in your entire life you haven't lived there for a weekend you haven't stayed there for a couple of months in most cases i mean a lot of people rent in the areas that they purchase to live in themselves but yeah i mean it's that's when it comes back to that speculation versus investing in that gamble what you've looked at as a home open do you know all those demographic Mm. statistics do you know the crime rates do you know the local schools do you know all those factors that make a difference to the property price not just now but potential for the future kieran thanks for coming in appreciate your time as always thanks trent Okay, today's suburb spotlight segment, we're moving south the river again. We are talking Ardross, smaller suburb, but a lot going on. I'm excited about where this suburb's going because of the city of Melville's development uh, policies. It's quite, it's quite aggressive in my opinion. To help us out with that conversation, we've got, as always, the number one agent from Ardross, Paul Evanson of Realmark. Paul, 
Cheers for coming in. Good morning, Trent. Great to see you again. Thank you for coming in, mate. I appreciate your time. We're going to dip right into this suburb. We had Paul Zambotti in a couple of weeks ago from Boragoon. So we had some really good understanding of the Garden City side of things. But I want to know what makes Ardross different and stand out from a Boragoon or an Apple Cross or a Mount Pleasant. Why should someone move into that? Sure thing. So Ardross for a long time has been a little bit cheaper than Apple Cross and Mount Pleasant just because of its physical location. Just okay, a so little bit further away from the freeway. And the river. And the river, Probably yeah. more importantly, the river, yeah. yeah. So it's a really affordable suburb, as is Boragoon, to get into that great quality area, still close to the city, nice and close to the river, without paying a premium for an Applecross or a Mount Pleasant address. The culture, the property sizes, the property age, they all seem pretty similar in terms of vintage. They are. Applecross probably a little bit older. Uh, the original homes in Ardross would be 1930s, 1940s, and not a lot of those still remaining, as you can of imagine. Of course, yeah. yeah. Picturing back to how that all started, mm. uh, it would have probably been Applecross and Mount Pleasant, and then Ardross was that new fringe estate coming on for new That's young right. people in the 30s and 40s. That's right, yeah. And we used to have kangaroos, not in my lifetime, of course, <laughs> but we used to have kangaroos running through Wireless Hill. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That, well, that takes, well, it doesn't take me back. I obviously wasn't there. But <laughs> me either. <laughs> I've heard know. from grandparents. <laughs> you wouldn't have any original owners still there, would you? Uh, I know a couple of people who've been there for like 55, 60 years, but they're well into their 90s by now. Just quickly, what's the most prevalent type of home? Is it just that new maybe 70s or 80s or 90s home or is it really even newer than that in the 2000s? Mm. It's probably a 1990s. Like if you look, if you had to pick one house in Ardross to yeah. be most representative of the area, yeah. you'd probably say a 1990s two-story on about 450 to 500 square metres. Okay, so that's probably still got a couple of decades left before it's ready to be knocked and pushed over True. with an even bigger house, I guess, mm. in that area. It'll be even mm. more expensive at some point. Mm. But who's buying those properties these days? And, and Well, who's buying in? If you thought about your last 50 sales, what would be a representation of the people buying off of you? It would probably be couples with children, so people probably in their 30s to 40s. And the stats of Ardross showed that about 48% of people who live in Ardross are in that bracket. So they're not first home buyers though, are they? They've probably worked no, their way up. probably second or third home. We're also seeing uh, a lot of parents helping and probably other suburbs as well where parents are living in Ardross at the moment or Mount Pleasant or Applecross. The kids have been at home for a long time, gone through university, moved out, married and starting to come back into the suburb and parents are helping them out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about development as always a bit later, but would you say that there are more established homes in Ardross or would you say there's probably more of everything else? I'd probably say there are more established homes. So it's definitely yeah. more of a, it's still more of a family suburb. Uh, with the local planning there, there has been a real push to increase the density. So the number of homes that are on those original blocks, like the quarter acres, are definitely slowing down or diminishing yeah. yeah yeah very much so okay how cheap can it get we'll start with our price points uh, mm. part of the chat what's the cheapest property i can buy in ardross so we would be a one by one apartment so a lot of apartments coming up in ardross in the last three to four years and a lot of one bedroom and two bedroom apartments so the cheapest would be just under four hundred thousand. Okay, so it's still a bit of a buying point i guess there aren't many older flats that we could buy in at the cheaper price no 
just wasn't the zoning back in the day for it. Correct. Zero. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nothing well, at all. That's not a bad thing though because those flats need to go. If you think about some of those areas around town where we've got those 60s flats that were... Mm. I think a lot of people look up at them and go, oh, geez, I, hope, I, I wish those would be knocked down. And it's cool that Ardross just never had that. True. Yeah. Let's move up the scale a bit more. How much are we buying in at maybe a three by one or a four by one? That is that 80s, 90s vintage. So if we're talking a villa, uh, so there might be two or three on the block uh, and they may have been done probably in the 1980s, early 90s, you're looking between five and 600,000. Yeah. For a three by one. And I guess something on a bigger block will then be getting close to the mill. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Development blocks. There's not many. Uh, look, I look around Ardross often and I struggle to find one, a development block that most people could afford to buy. But secondly, one, a development, development block at all. It's very tightly yeah. held suburb, isn't it? It is. Yeah. The density has changed quite a bit in the area, depending if you're close to Risley Street or Marmion Street, a little bit further up the hill, or Armenberry Road, which borders onto Garden City. So those densities have really changed, and they've brought in uh, some big companies uh, looking to do some big developments, like 30 apartments, 40 apartments. Yeah, not, yeah. not something for a mum and dad investor. Probably not. No. no, no. <laughs> but there are still these properties available. They just haven't hit the market yet. The older development sites, there are. There aren't a lot. Uh, and obviously, if you're looking in that R80, R100 zoning, uh, then you are competing with those syndicates or the bigger companies. But if you're looking for maybe just a two-lot subdivision... Just an R20 on a quarter yep, acre. You're probably looking at just over a million. So just over a million to about 1.3, 1.4. Most people, they're knocking the old house down and putting two side-by-side, 10-metre-wide, two-storey houses, aren't they? Correct, yeah. Depending on the zoning. Yeah. Um, if you have the 20-metre frontage, yes, you can do that. Uh, some parts of Ardross, the frontages are a little smaller, so 18s. a little narrow, so the 18.6, 18.7, in which case it's a front and rear. I think those, especially those side-by-sides, are a really nice option, That uh, and they're fetching premium dollars. You can 500 square metres is not a small block. No. You're not wasting space on common property if you don't have to. Yeah. And a 10-metre frontage, that's what you're going to get out in the suburbs on a new estate anyway, mm. except you're in Ardross. Yep. And you've got a two-story house yeah. with a $600,000, $700,000 build on it. These are some nice houses. For sure, yeah. You're spot on about the frontages. So about 10, probably 10, 15 years ago, you probably remember 500 square metres would have been considered small, but not anymore. It's a really good-sized block. Uh, even in Ardross, we have cottage blocks that are about 200, 250 square metres. Where are they? Which streets? They're yeah. on streets like Wilcox Street um, or Tain Street. So they're the ones on in the in that development zoning that ring around the... Turns Crescent, the cafes, the exactly, restaurants. Exactly, they ring around the, yeah. the Risley Street, Canning Highway corner. That there. hub, correct. And that's yeah. where there's some really serious development zoning if you want to take it up. Mm, yeah. Got a, some... cu- got a couple of developments that are currently going on there. Tain Street, they already have already gone on around that Wilcox... Yes. Yeah. Are they selling well? They are, again, depending on the number of bedrooms. So we've had in the last five years or so, we've had a lot of apartments go up that have primarily been offering like a one or two bedroom scenario. Um, So developers have thought, okay, great, we've got a quarter acre. Let's cram as many of these apartments in as we can uh, to maximize our, our dollar. And there's probably going to be a glut of those properties over the next, say, five years or so. 
with development rules changing recently, they're wanting to increase the size of the apartments. So a good, si- good size two bed, two bath, or a good size three bed, two bath, to give, and I probably, I think that's a really good idea because that will um, target and aim to hit people who have been living in the suburb for a long time. Downsizes. Yep, downsizes, not looking for the retirement village angle. Uh, but wanting to stay local, they've been in the suburb for decades. They're well connected. They're hooked up, you know, with friends and family in the area, uh, and they don't want a one bedroom, one bath apartment. They exactly want exactly right. It's about spacious. knowing the market. It's tough when you see these apartment building syndicates come in. They obviously do their numbers on maximising the yield of mm. apartments. Can, mm. How many apartments can we fit on this block? over four or five levels what they fail to understand is that not every buyer especially in a price point like that is going to be someone who wants a one by one or a two by one or two by two a young essentially a younger person they might move out a little bit further because that's they don't see the value at that price Mm. where you see people in my opinion looking for that smaller alternative option it's the downsizes it's the husband and wife who are 70 years old who have just sold their 1.3 million dollar quarter acre and they're happy to move into a three by two for 800 and something grand, bank 500K for retirement, and stay in the same area with a brand new house, no maintenance. Exactly, yeah. They're sick of the big gardens and the lawns, they're sick of all of that. But they still and want the, space for the and they'll grandkids. Pay, and they'll pay, a premium for, they'll pay a premium for the finishes as well. Yeah. So the worst thing you could do is do like a cheap fit out inside. You spend some money, great quality appliances, nice bench tops, some really good quality timber flooring. There's a really strong demand for that. What I'm actually seeing right now and something that we're currently looking at in that Ardross Mount Pleasant area, we're not even going to apartments. I believe as well there's going to be a glut of apartments. We're looking at townhouses. Mm. I think those three by two townhouses with a balcony, as long as you've got that accessibility for the older downsizer as well, that is that middle ground where people still feel like they have their own home. It's a bit funky as well. Uh, they're not living on top of people, but the price point is that Still bit affordable. below a mill mm. so that they can they can have something left over. Sure, yeah. And they're not part of a massive group of like 30 or 40, so they're not paying the high strata levies. They're in that small community of four or five townhouses, and we're getting some really, really good response from and demand from people with some townhouses I'm selling right now, um, which are three by two plus a, a powder room. And these ones offer really good-sized bedrooms, so... A lot of the times with townhouses, you'd have a good-sized master bedroom, but bedrooms two and three would be really pokey, mm. right? But now the smart developers are building or creating bigger bedrooms. So for the teenagers or the young adults who are still staying at home, they can set a laptop up in their bedroom. They can stay at home a lot longer. Obviously, a lot more expensive now, living costs for younger people to get out. Mm. So that if they can still stay at home for another three or four years, save up a bit more, and then make the leap out. Where do you think Ardross is going in the next 20 years? What do you think Ardross looks like in 20 years from now? 20 years, well, that's a, a very long-term yeah. question. I think we'll see a lot more development over time. Canning Bridge will be redone, as it, it needs to be redone now, uh, but there'll be probably light rail between Fremantle to Canning Bridge, and maybe even light rail. I'd love to see this um, going up. Risley Street up to Garden City because Garden City is doubling in size. It's a hub. Yep, it is going to be a hub. There are going to be apartments there. So if you've travelled to Sydney or Melbourne, you'd see some of those hubs are being created now and I think Perth will follow. Garden City is really um, one of the best shopping destinations in WA. It's a beautiful shopping centre. 
And it's about to be upgraded. It is, yeah. It's going to double in size, yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I think what we're going to see is that nod to her- the heritage of Ardross is still going to have, and they've done that, they've protected those bigger blocks, that at least the R20 level. But what I think they've done very intelligently and very strategically is have specific zoning where extremely high density is permitted so that what you don't have is just a slightly more dense version of the whole suburb coming through. You're allowing to keep the culture and the identity, mm, but mm. also where it strategically makes sense for the, the, the train station that may, the light rail that may come in or the shopping center providing that walk score for the people who want to live around that hub. Sure, yeah. And we still have a high percentage of people. So about half the people who live in Ardross have children. Um, so the local schools, Applecross High School, in Ardross, not Applecross, uh, and Ardross Primary School, both awesome schools, have really good reputations. Um, so that's a big draw card for people coming into the suburb. And not all of those people, obviously, will want to live in a townhouse or an apartment. They'll still want to have some space. Exactly right. Paul, every week we ask our number one agent the same question. It's a very simple question, but it has many ramifications in terms of the answer you give us after that. What's the median house price in Ardross? If you had that in your pocket, what would you buy? So the median house price is 900000 in Ardross. So with the price increase of land over the last 10 years, that obviously limits you to a certain extent on what you can buy, especially in terms of a development. So I'd probably be buying as big a block as I could in Ardross, like a 728. There are still quite a few 728 square metres. I'd be looking at the surrounding streets to see what development has happened over the last five years. How close am I to the main arterial roads of streets like Risley Street and Kamura Road, which even if my density isn't at a number that I could develop today, maybe in the next round, in four or five years' time, it could be reviewed and my density could be increased. So a future development opportunity yeah. would be your choice. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. smart. I think those 728, they obviously, uh, it always happens like that. The quarter acre goes first. And then it's the sixth of an acre that goes next. Mm, so mm. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it provides someone the ability to get in, live a normal family life at what is, from, in my understanding, probably less than most people would expect as a median house price for Ardross. Yeah, so it's still affordable. relatively affordable. Yeah. Paul Evanson, cheers for coming in. Appreciate your Great time. Great to see you again. Thanks, Trent. And we'll have you in uh, for an update when we've got some more news on Ardross and the Garden City Precinct. Look forward to it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!